Oh, yeah, baby. It's Above the Break, episode 41. We're doing NBA confidence rankings. As always, this is Nevin Brown, and I'm joined by... James Piercy. Oh yeah, James Piercy, Rocket. The stash is like it's really it's 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 really getting full Renaissance up in here. You know, <laughs> Renaissance. Throwback to a private conversation yesterday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I've lost my Clippers, my uh, little scissors, and uh, so I need to find them. But at the same time, I'm just kind of letting it letting it roll. You know. Oh, okay. So, like, this is—is is this going to end up one day being like a mustache that just like covers all of your lips? Well, we'll see how far I can grow. You know, <laughs> we'll see how far we can push this. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. As I alluded to earlier, we're going to do some NBA confidence rankings on just some teams and players that have gotten off to hot starts, not so hot starts, some freezing cold starts. Um. And we're just going to tell you how confident we are that that trend will continue. But before we do that, we've been gone a while. And while we were gone, not recording, sorry, sorry to the fan. Um, Well, guess what? All of the bad stuff in the history of the NBA seemingly happened in that period of time. Yeah. And, to, and to kick things off, Josh Primo. Josh Primo was released cleared waivers he's a free agent i think two three weeks after the san antonio spurs picked up his third year option so he's guaranteed to make over the next two seasons from the spurs unless something crazy happens like seven or eight million dollars uh maybe even more so that's why being a first round pick is nice because even if you bust you know You'll you'll have a pretty you you'll make a pretty penny. Um, Even if you bust out your junk in the middle of a psychiatric evaluation, yes, you'll so still I, make a pretty penny. So James, when you first heard this news, <laughs> it's obviously fucked up. It's obviously horrible. Obviously, Josh Primo should not expose his genitalia to women unless they ask for it. Um, which is you know something that. Can't happen. I, I presume. I presume. I've heard rumors. Um, it, it has happened. I think. It ha- yeah. It has happened before. But what was your first feeling? Because mine, unfortunately, because I'm a fucked up person. I, I guess, is I instantly thought to this scene in this uh, late '90s comedy called Bowfinger, starring Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, where Eddie Murphy's character gets caught on video putting a paper bag on his head and wearing a trench coat and showing his penis to the Lakers girls. Um, this is this is a movie. And they use it as blackmail um, on him. But the best part is, is that when he does it, they, they all go, ah! and then they start laughing. And he's like, it's not that small. And it's a funny scene. It's funny. And that's like literally, unfortunately, the first thought I had when I heard that Josh Primo. Yeah. You can't control intrusive thoughts, man. I wouldn't feel too badly about that. You know, it's, it sounds like you didn't want to think that. You just kind of ended up. No, nah, I did want to think it. I did want to <laughs> okay, think it. I right. mean, because it's because the thing is, is that so many fucked up things that happen in the real world, if they were happening in a movie, would just be straight up fucking funny. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, like like think about Donald Trump. If he was just a character in a movie or a TV show, that dude's fucking hilarious. He's a horrible person and like he's messed up, but he is hilarious. Just if he was in a movie and there was no real damaging consequences for their existence. Preaching to the choir, man. I completely agree. But of course, we can also both agree that this is pretty serious, right? Yeah. Uh, one of one of my first thoughts on on the situation is that it's a little bit ironic that it happened in San Antonio, right? Because of all the organizations in the league, this is the organization that spouts like, you know, it's bigger than basketball, and we're about good character people, and and the Spurs like stand for something, you know. And it seems like there was a pretty organizational uh, effort to cover this up, right? From yes. all appearances, yes. what it tells me is that. We need not. We need to remember that these NBA teams are just big soulless corporations like McDonald's and Starbucks, man. And and like like they don't care, right? The Spurs don't care. They're not. They're, they're not about anything bigger than basketball, unless you're referring to money. That that that's my take. That's my takeaway from from the situation. And Josh Primo sounds like a super fucked up kid, and I, I think it, it's fair to say that he doesn't belong in the NBA. Yeah. Um. This whole thing's been crazy because basically they waived him and then he came out and said all this stuff about how he's dealing with past trauma and then you learn details about what he did and it's like, oh, so like this dude like had done this before and apparently like they were actually like it seems that they've been trying to get him psychiatric help because he did expose himself to a team psychiatrist and it did not help so as much as you're saying the spurs you know are a big soulless organization it does seem like they were trying to help him through this yeah but they needed to help them they they needed to help the victim though right that is true see i'm not not saying i'm not saying they played their cards perfectly i'm just yeah yeah yeah, right fair i'm saying it seems that they saw that there was an issue with someone a young person and we're trying to help said young person. Yeah. And they- yeah, he's, he's, he's really young. That is, that is, that is a factor. Like if this was like, uh, if this was Doug McDermott, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? You know? So yeah, it's like, there's something, there's Doug something except for that. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Yeah. So Josh Primo is going to be out of the league for a while. He won't be out of the league. I think forever because this guy, the Spurs were really excited about him. He's really talented. And as we've seen with most of these situations, if you get your shit together, people will forgive you if you go that route. Which brings us to someone, the next bit of news, who's not really seeking forgiveness, Kyrie Irving. I'm sure you've heard this, but Kyrie Irving, just quickly rehash it, retweeted or reposted an anti-Semitic film called, I believe, he- From Hebrews to Negroes. Yeah. And this is a fringe, it was a fringe book written by a guy who has no background in history. I think I, I read like his like, you know, kind of biography and stuff. I think he was like doing like physical therapy. Like he was like, that was his background. He became, he's very religious and 
he kind of used like weird pseudo religious like you know texts to like come to this conclusion slash like join in on this um this kind of this old black hebrew movement that s- says that the black black people are the original hebrews which in and of itself is not anti-semitic and i want to make that very 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 clear yeah. the problem and for a long time this group um because it's i think it has very old origins in the u.s i think is into the 19th century were not anti-semitic over time though they kind of adopted an anti-semitic approach because of i think first white supremacy seeing that jewish people in the united states tend to be white and if you are and you can see how a group of people who are oppressed who are black who believe they are the original hebrews and then there's the white hebrews in the u.s and they're part of the white supremacist in their mind kind of zeitgeist or hegemony, I think would be a better term, that you could say, oh, like, they are screwing us over, and, like, a big part portion of this film is about how white Jews have essentially stripped black people of their, like, Jewish identity slash heritage, and then are also, like, controlling the media and, like, you know, intentionally screwing over black people in the United States. And that's, and that's where it goes off the rails. Yeah, and that's the anti-Semitic stuff. And the movie has stuff that, like, if you're not educated and you're not well-versed in, like, these types of tropes, you could go, I could understand why someone like Kyrie Irving, who is not super educated in this stuff, even though he claims to be, but he is not, to be educated in this stuff, you kind of need to be educated in this stuff, and he is not, because he did not go to school for this. He was at Duke for, like, half a year. I can understand how he could miss that there's anti-Semitic undertones and things. But then there's just straight up anti-Semitism in it that's like very overt that you can't miss. So either he didn't watch the whole thing or he watched the whole thing, liked it so much they wanted to retweet it and is probably anti-Semitic. That's that. The problem for Kyrie Irving has been everything afterwards because like, we said with Josh Primo, he's talented. If he apologizes and plays that, he'll be fine. Kyrie Irving is super fucking talented. If he just played the, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I'm disavowing this, we wouldn't be where we're at. But he didn't. He doubled down. He fought back. I don't know why. And then he kind of turned this into a media versus me thing. Hey, dude, you can't, like, this is not a media versus you thing. The media lets you get away with all sorts of shit. So this isn't one of those situations he doubled down, finally got to the point where the Nets have suspended Kyrie Irving and they gave him like a list of six things that this is the thing that cracks me up. The list of six things is like real easy. It's basically like disavow this, donate money, do sensitivity training, anti-Semitism training, meet with Jewish leaders in like Brooklyn, right? Like, I don't know if I listed six things, but like those things are all on it. And the other thing that I missed isn't that difficult. They did not give him the 12 trials of Hercules. They gave him <laughs> Kyrie's like half dozen easy layup package to get back on the team and maybe save his career. And yet there are rumors that people believe they gave him, gave him these six trials, these Herculean trials, because they think he will not agree to complete them, which is fucking funny to me because it just shows that Kyrie Irving wants out and he wants to go out as a martyr for a stupid ass reason. 
And that's where I'm at with Kyrie. He's a dumb fucking person who thinks he's quite smart. He's been surrounded by yes people. He's semi-interested in non-basketball related things. And he's around a bunch of people who their life is basketball, which makes him think he is worldly and much more enlightened than he truly is. I hope he never plays basketball again, because quite frankly, I'm sick and fucking tired of his shit. That's me, James. Yeah, I, I honestly, you hit on so much. I don't even know how much I could necessarily add, but like, I, I agree. And it's a shame to say it because this guy has oh, got God. such a beautiful game. So like, he's such a remarkable basketball player. I said it before, probably literally the best person at dribbling a basketball in human history. Like, he's probably the very best to ever do that. But he sucks, man. He just sucks. <laughs> like, and like, that's he just, does. he does, right? Dude, the thing is, I've said this on different platforms as well, but people, some people have a tendency to veer contrarian because they think that they're being critical thinkers if they just accept the contrarian view of everything. But all you're doing is biasing your thinking in the opposite direction, right? <laughs> like, for example, for the best example with Kyrie, with that principle, is the earth ain't flat, man. It's round. Like, just accept it. Like, you're not being critical by saying the earth is flat. Just the same way you're not being critical by saying that the sky is yellow, right? Like, like the earth is round. Get over it, man. It's fine, you know? As for this recent issue, yeah, I, I think it's... I think it's unfortunate that it's Kyrie Irving and Kanye West opening up this dialogue about like black Israelites and and and, and black Americans as the original Hebrews and all that because these are interesting ideas that that don't have to be poorly communicated. I just wish it was like Jalen Brown and, and Quest Love that were leading the conversation, like guys that that can actually form cognitive thoughts about these things and and. and share them you know because as you said yourself it doesn't require you to be anti-semitic to entertain the idea that it's possible that there were a fair number of black people around israel or palestine or whatever you prefer to refer to it as at that time and that you know plenty of black people living today are descendants of them only thing i'll say is that it doesn't discredit the fact that some white and and brownish looking people are also very much jewish even if they're not the original jewish people they can trace their lineage back to the holocaust so can we just let them be jewish when they're deeply jewish you know what i mean it's a weird it's yeah. a weird thing for me my best friend's jewish right I've, yeah, I've yeah. Elsewhere, i think and yeah and he's jewish man he's not christian and, and he's not he's not quite <laughs> white like he speaks yiddish you know yeah um he like like he's it's just what he is it's who he is his dad was like a like you, you talk to his dad for five minutes. He'd be like, "You're Jewish and you're from New York." Like it, it's just you know, it's it's an inborn thing, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, this this also raises, and we shouldn't get into this more than the next five seconds of what I'm going to say is that like it does raise a very interesting component of Judaism where it is not only a religion for people, it is also an ethnic group for those people and a cultural group. It's like all three of those things. Yeah. Yes, and. Personally, for me, I, I don't understand the the ethnic ties to it, but I get I get why it exists historically. I get why people look to it. I get why there is a very big push for it. I, I, I personally go, it's a religion. Anyone can convert. So, like, I don't yeah. know why it's necessarily like an ethnic thing. Um, You know, no one says they're ethnically Christian, you know, Confucius, you know, a Muslim, you name it. Like, it's not really it's not really an ethnic identity as much in certain areas of the world there is a lot with ethnicity and religion but that just happens to do with like geopolitics and like 
cultural values and stuff. And like maybe cultural values are what guide ethnicity at in the end of the day, because like that ethnicity in and of itself is like a social construct, just as like culture is. It's an interesting topic. It's an interesting discussion. But what you should not do is say, nah, bitch, like you're not actually this. You're not you're not yeah. actually this. Like what should people- it be? I'm also this. Like that's a perfectly yes. acceptable. Yes, yeah. it should. That's exactly the truth. That's it should all. be. We're all in this together. But that's not the times we live in. And maybe that will never be the times we live in. It probably people, people do not like to do the we're all in this together. Let's move off of Kyrie Irving, even though you could do like a 30 hours, 30 part, 60 hour podcast series on yeah. what the on the fucking shit that Kyrie talks about, because good God, he's a fucking moron. Yeah. OK, more Nets news. So the Nets fired Steve Nash. And they were rumored to be looking into hiring Ime Odoka, who also made the bad behavior list um, <laughs> earlier in this for having an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate in the Celtics organization. The Nets decided, I think, properly to not hire Ime Udoka because I just don't understand why you would say, look at this burning organization. You know what we need? We need to throw a bit more fuel on that fire. It's like at a certain point, I know I know people think that you can compartmentalize. You can't compartmentalize that many fires, man. You know, the house, the house is burning down. And instead they hired uh, a name, Jacques Vaughn, who is an assistant to be their head coach. I'm glad they did. Um, but in another sense, I'm not glad they did. Cause I think it would have just been so fucking hilarious, not in the real world, but like from a TV show perspective, if you were making a TV show about a basketball team, if they had hired Udoka, it would have ju- it's just been like, it's like, okay, who's, who's, who's running reality comedy writers. Yeah. The other, the other component to this is that. Yudoka's a better coach than Vaughn, right? Jack Vaughn's got a, a three-year head coaching record with a, with a 58 and 158 record. Oh, sorry. Actually, hold on. A 65 and 161 record, actually. He, he was an interim head coach for the Nets in 2019-20, and they went 7-3 under his watch. So, yeah. I mean, that's an impressive track record of losing games and like like now he coached the magic for most of his career and i understand that that's out of his control but like like he doesn't put this way it's no track record of winning right udoka coached a team to the nba finals in his first season but for all the reasons that you said i don't think they could have possibly like they can't hire udoka man you know oh yeah our star point guard's an anti-semite and our head coach is like a you know sexual deviant uh come root for the brooklyn nets (laughs) you know uh kevin durant's not likable either so like, here's the like, thing. you know, <laughs> here's the thing. What you just said is it would turn it would have turned the Brooklyn Nets into the ultimate incel team ever. It honestly it, it would it would be so on brand. It's like, oh, wait, we have a we have someone who's into anti-Semitism and is a sexual deviant. Oh, my God. Does this not sound like what happens on 4chan? Yeah. Um, Reddit's team. Basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they made the they made the right decision. And I hope, as you said, that Jock Vaughn does well because sometimes you know we're seeing this with steven silas in houston sometimes if you just get in bad situations constantly when you're the head coach you can be a pretty good coach and like it's true it is true 
and you'll just never make it. So, you know, I'm rooting for him, and we'll get to. Well, the look, they're four and zero since they hired Nash, or yeah, fired Nash, I believe. Yeah, no, since no. they fired Nash. Yeah, I, no, I guess no, Vaughn's no, they've, been. They've they've lost. They've lost. I believe they've lost a game. Um, they just really? lost. Yeah, but look, they oh, played, okay. they played way better. Uh, before we get off this, Steve Nash is a bad NBA head coach and has proven to yeah, not be a yeah, bad yeah, NBA yeah, yeah. head coach. I don't know if it's because he's actually a bad coach or if he just didn't have the personality to wrangle those personalities. He, you know, could be both. It, it could be a lot of things. All right, let's speed through the rest of this news. James Harden suffered a foot injury. He'll be out for about a month. The Sixers were kind of struggling. James as a another James. Um, for James to James, talk about James Harden. Do you think this uh, hurts? How much do you think this hurts the Sixers? Do you think it helps the Sixers maybe a little bit? Um, yeah. Oh. yeah. Look, look, man, I said from the beginning that I did not think Joel Embiid and James Harden were a good pair. You might recall. Uh, I said, why are we going to demote Embiid to a pick and roll finisher? And why are we going to demote Harden to a floor spacer? Like they, they're both ball dominant players, right? It doesn't yeah. really work all that well in my opinion and we've seen that and they've been better with Harden without Embiid I'll, I'll say I'm not even sure if the record bears that out I think it does but I, I've noticed it I've caught a few games where they're running PJ Tucker as a small ball five taking it back to the Rockets uh yeah. dark days those are and, and dark it, days don't call those dark days these are the dark that last days. season the micro ball season was a dark day that was not a dark day that team honestly if it hadn't been the end of a glorious run and it had just been like the beginning or middle part of it, it you would not have viewed it as dark it was it was, it was fucking. it was cool as a wizard fan do not do not talk shit about 51 teams let me say let me and we shouldn't go too far into this but uh a stretch five with russ was a concept that I liked, but I just think it had to be somebody who was like six nine, six ten, not not six five, you know. Yeah, anyway, like but in bursts that has looked good for Philly this year because it's an identity because they can play Harden ball, right? And and Harden can work with Maxi because he can, he's always been able to work with another good guard. Like like I just don't think the two are a good pair. So I suspect that they'll probably look better playing in bead ball too. But this team's not going to do anything significant this year, obviously, unless they can play together. Yeah, I, I actually agree with everything you've said. Um, you, what's weird is before Harden went out, they were playing Harden ball. Like it, it was, it was very much James Harden ball. I, I think the other kind of elephant in the room is James Harden and Joel Embiid are like really, really, really a bad defensive pairing because Harden likes to switch everything, and Embiid cannot switch everything and needs to be point. a drop yeah. coverage big and. With both of them out there, you're going to play at such a slow pace, which neutralizes Tyrese Maxey's ability to play at pace and really push it. So I think you're right. It's that like they're going to look better with Justin Bede and they're going to look better with just Harden. And like basically their ceiling comes down to the fact that like it's not about the fact that the James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and roll combination is like the most effective pick and roll combination in the NBA. It's how good can they be in those possessions where they're not running that pick and roll? Exactly. And it, it hasn't looked good. Let, let me add something to that too. Harden, over the course of like a decade now, has been conditioned to play a brand of basketball where the big does not post up. Like I, I think I think people underrate this because a lot of Rockets fans uh, think it should have been really easy for us to transition into running it through Shangun. And I always say like, well, KPJ and Jalen Green, like they, they've gone their whole fucking basketball lives right on the pretense of like the big doesn't post anymore yeah. and Harden 
he's been playing NBA basketball for a decade where the big doesn't post at all. Sometimes there is no big, right? And and so it's a little unrealistic to think he's just going to start dumping it into the post all the time. Like these guys, like, like they play with, in, in habit to an extent. You know what I mean? Like like you develop habits. Like it, it's hard to just go play a different way, you know? Yeah, you're asking him to like, hey, James, James Harden, quit smoking, but also like not have any of like the withdrawal effects. It's not exactly. how it works. <laughs> it's yeah. not really how it works. It's going to take yeah. some time. All right, let's move on to another injury. Cameron Johnson of the Phoenix Suns had injured his meniscus. I believe he'll have surgery. I haven't heard the timeline for his return because with meniscus injuries, it can be super short or super long, depending on the route that they take. James, have you heard anything about the the length of it? I'm going to take a look now. I, yeah. I th- thought uh, that it was bad. I, I, I thought it was yeah. a long-term injury, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's unfortunate because the Suns have been rolling. He's been really good. He's in the final year of his deal, and he's going to hit, I think, restricted or unrestricted free agency this offseason. He didn't sign an extension, and he was looking to get a big payday. He's a bit older as a player, so like his first go into free agency will be his first and only go in free agency likely where he can really secure a big long-term deal. But making this situation funnier is Jay Crowder, who was the starter last season for the Suns, basically was like, I'm not playing this year for y'all. You can find a trade if I'm not starting. And now that Cam's out, they're like, hey, Jay, you want to you want to come back and be a starter? And he's like, nope, I still want to be traded. And so the Suns, the Suns, the Suns, the Suns. I feel bad for him because they they were looking really good and super, super explosive on offense. Do you think Jay Crowder will just be like, fuck it? And if he and like play, or if and if he doesn't, like, what are the Suns gonna do? Because like they need a guy that can either at the four that can space and shoot, or just be a really tough defender and give a little bit of space and kind of it with Crowder does. So, uh, first of all, it looks like the timeline is a month or two. So it's not that bad. That's not that bad. bad. Yeah. So what I think they should do in light of that news is just do what they can to to sustain uh, the loss and probably still trade Crowder for a guard Uh, because they really need a better guard off the bench. Like after the starters, their their guard rotation falls off a cliff. You know, I I don't like campaign very much. I just don't think he's like. Like a great NBA player. Honestly. He's not. He he had that like uh, when they made the finals. He was good that season. And yeah, like yeah. That, I mean, he's in the NBA. Then, and he can play basketball, and he he can have good stretches, right? But like overall, he, he's just unspectacular in my opinion. Yeah. So I would, you know, hold out hope that maybe Clarkson still becomes available, which uh, you know he may not, but like some something like that. Uh, either way, I would trade Crowder for a guard and just hope that Johnson can come back and still shoot 45% from deep and like be himself, you know, what about you just hope that your record doesn't absolutely plummet in the meantime, which it probably won't. It probably won't. Um, this is the real question. Kevin fucking Durant. Well, to make, to put together a package that's even reasonable, they, uh, they would, the Nets had to move Ben Simmons really, because they, they can't take Aiden back as long as they have Simmons due to that, quirk in the I don't think they uh, want I don't think they want Aiden and they're not gonna uh, look if you're moving KD the shit like you know you're done the 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 picks you sent to the Rockets are are sunk cost at this point I think you just say uh let's we'll take Crowder a bunch of picks move Crowder on our own 
um, see if we can shed a bit of salary and just, you know, you send us whatever and we'll just take all of your picks. Like, I think you take Bridges back, man. I, I, I think you take Bridges in like five or I six. I wouldn't picks. do it. Well, the thing is, I wouldn't do it then if I'm Phoenix because as soon as you move Bridges and you're sending out all that other stuff to get KD, I go, like, you're still going to probably be a title contender. But like you are, but you're not a favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be like I'm one of the two or three teams that like people pick. They do have the contracts. Like they could probably send Crowder, Shamit, and Sarich, and then like seven first round picks. Yeah. And if you're if you're the Nets, just like short it because they're basically not gonna have any picks. And sure they'll have Booker, sure they'll have Aiden and Bridges who could form like a decent core down the line. But you know, Paul and KD won't be good by the end of that. And you know, it, well, listen. I, sorry i mean that's just that would be the route i go if i'm if i'm the nets because it's just like at this point you know like you basically just have to say the next three or four years might not be so great yeah absolutely Where, where's the logic in this uh we don't have our own picks so we can't bottom out even though we're about to send a lottery pick potentially to the rockets do you know what i'm saying it's like like you just proved that that's a viable means of rebuilding and the Rockets, for what it's worth, don't have their picks in like through 2024 through 2026. We're giving two picks to the Thunder, so the the Rockets did it. You know, although we had some of our own picks, granted, yeah, but still, yeah. Like if if, if you're if you get seven first round picks from an old team, th- that's really valuable. Like you know, plus as I've really hammered home, it's only a swap this year. So if the Nets if the Nets get the first overall pick. And the Rockets get the sixth overall pick. My dream scenario, Brooklyn's nightmare scenario. It's not likely, but let's say that happens. And they have to give us Victor Wembanyama, and we give them the sixth overall pick. Okay, so you get Derek Whitehead. Like, like he looks really good. Or you get Cam Whitmore or Nick Smith. Like You get a good like, player. Yeah, you get a really good prospect. Also, Thompson. Like, this draft is stacked. Like, just do it. Like, like bottom out for the year. Give us one lottery pick next year, baby. And then otherwise... Uh, ride those Phoenix picks, man. They'll probably be good by 2026, 7, 8, you know? Yeah, and there's, I think people, as I've said this, people overvalue fucking swaps, right? Like, like the, the reality is, is that, you know, the, the Rockets owe a swap and I think, or a swap and two picks to Oklahoma City over the... No, half- it's, I, I think it's it's two, it's two picks. Uh, They're top four protected and rolling. But right, there is so, one. There is one swap. I don't even think so. I could there be wrong. Is one swap. There is one swap. I believe. Okay, so maybe it's maybe it's one top four protected pick. But swaps aren't as bad as people think. Year. Swaps aren't as bad as people think because it's like oh, like like you know if the teams are like relatively just as bad or like you know it, you still get a pick, right? Like it, it's not you still like, get a pick, yeah. And and usually you're gonna like get a pretty good pick because. But I think t- down the road swaps count for more. Like for for the from the Rockets' point of view, like like we have Brooklyn's I think twenty twenty seven swap, yeah. and that yeah right. So that that's way more valuable than like this upcoming swap because obviously we're keeping our pick. You know, like like it would be a shocking development if we got a lottery pick from the Nets. Yeah, Brooklyn would have to like not only be really bad in a way that we weren't expecting, but also probably get really lucky in the lottery. Cause I just exactly. don't see them. And being... then unlucky. So yeah. Yeah. So, so point being though, but by 2027, anything could happen. So we'll yeah. see how that pans yeah. out. Right. So if you get a swap in five years, that's really valuable. But if you get a swap next year from a team that's way better than you. Yeah. It's just lip service really. Oh yeah. Okay. We've been talking about the news, the news, the news is over. 
Let's get into NBA confidence rating. Confidence we speed rating. round these, man. We're not. We're gonna go pretty quick through these. We got about twelve of them. Here's how this works: zero means no confidence. Five means, you know, middle confidence. So not confident or unconfident. Ten is like a stone cold lock of the century. Like I am the most confident in this I've ever been. We'll let you know which direction the numbers will point because we're going to be talking about some teams that have been playing well and some teams that have been playing bad. And we'll let you know what our confidence ratings really mean. But because we've spent all podcasts talking about the Brooklyn Nets, hey, James, do you want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets? Okay, Brooklyn is 5-7. and seven. They're 11th in the Eastern Conference. It's looking possible that they and likely that they might not have Kyrie Irving for the rest of the season. Ben Simmons has not been good this year. Granted, he's coming back from injury, so I expect him to improve, but he's going to have to improve a fuckload to be like the impact player that he was. KD still KD. Confidence ratings. James on the Nets continuing to be bad. Five, if I if I had to predict what's gonna happen, right? They're gonna turn it around. They're gonna have some good stretches. They're gonna be like a pretty good team throughout the year, but they're still gonna be disappointing and fall short of expectations. And I don't know if they'll win a playoff series or not. So I mean, bad is is a pretty nebulous term, you know. But they're not gonna be like like I don't think they're gonna miss the playoffs, you know. Yeah. My confidence rating for this team is I'm at a three. I think they're really good. I think they are going to turn around. I am not confident at all that this is who they are, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. They've been better since they've gotten Steve Nash. But you know what? They've been way better since they got rid of Kyrie fucking Irving. Free Kyrie, two and six, with a 113.1 offensive rating and a 119.9 defensive rating. Post Kyrie Irving, 115.5 offensive rating. That's plus 2.4 points per 100 possession. And a 96.5 defensive rating. That's over 25, or that's just about 25 fewer points allowed per 100 possessions. Obviously, I don't think their defense was that bad to begin with. I don't think it's this good right now. But I'm really confident that this team, without Kyrie Irving, with Ben Simmons coming back in the fold, will be able to be a pretty fucking good defensive team. And Kevin Durant can keep the offense afloat. They're going to get Seth Seth Curry just came back. He can space the floor. Joe Harris will start moving better. He's missed a lot of time, and he's an elite three-point shooter. I'm very confident that this Brooklyn Nets team can get out of the play-in and depending on who they get matched up with, I wouldn't pick them as a lock to win a first-round playoff series. But I think, like last year, they will be the team that no one wants to face in the first round. Until they beat them. Number two, the Utah Jazz are 10-3 and three with the best record in the Western Conference. Confidence rating that the Utah Jazz not will maintain to be the best team in the Western Conference but that this team is a stone-cold lock for out being a top-six seed in 
not having to be in the play-in? I'm going to go with a six on that one. I think this team might genuinely be better than the sum of its parts and, and, and a well-constructed team. And I think that if they keep winning games at a certain point, they're going to have to go, okay, well, you know, we intended on tanking the season, but we're 14 and five or, you know, 17 and eight or whatever. And like, first of all, we're already in a hole because the Rockets are, you know, four and 18 or whatever. And the, and the, the magic are five and 17 and like we're winning. So why would we tank? They also have a bunch of picks from other teams and stuff that they can use to rebuild. Like, plus this is a small market club that very seldom tanks anyway. And they're like, they're winning, man. Lori marketing is playing like a star. Like, like, I don't know. What do you think? So At what point, let me ask you, let me, let me frame it this way first story. What would the record have to be where it would be too late to turn around because they're already at such a disadvantage? That's a good question. I think if, well, the question then becomes, it's more not about turning it around. It's like, at what point do you, as the organization, do you go, we are this good? Um, so all the underlying you know, metrics early on in the season suggest this team is good. We're talking about a team with the fourth best offensive rating, the 10th best defensive rating, and the fourth best net rating at plus six. Plus six. I mean, like that's, that's, that's big time. They hit shots. They get a bunch of offensive rebounds. Um, and then they prevent shots from going in. I will say their defensive rebounding rate is the worst in the league. So that is a concern, but it hasn't really borne out that it's a problem. My confidence that they're this good, though, is really, really, really low. Because we're seeing Laurie Markinen play the best that he's ever played. Usually when we see that happen with a player at this point, it's not it's that they've gotten better and they're on a hot streak. You know, Jordan Clarkson, he's been good. Mike Conley, he's been good and healthy. Kelly Olynyk, he's been pretty good. Like they have real players, but I wonder like can this team really sustain a real injury? And they are better than the sum of their parts, but I don't think they're the fourth best team in the league. I think that's like just insane. And I don't even think they're the sixth best team in the Western Conference. I think like realistically the Warriors have been bad, but like, do we think they're going to be this bad? You know, the Nuggets have like been up and down. Do we think they're going to be stay up and down for the rest of the season? The Pelicans are reintegrating Zion Williamson. The Trailblazers, they're solid. The Grizzlies, are they going to keep having like a bad defense? Then they're going to get Triple J back. I see this as a team. My confidence rating for them to keep this up and avoid the play-in is basically. I think it's like a two. I think they're going to fall back. I think this is a great start. I think they can make the playoffs if they want. And I think that they should just start selling these veterans on expiring deals as soon as they can because their value is really high right now. But if they're perfectly capable of going on like a five-game losing streak against good teams and suddenly teams are going, wait a sec. The only thing I'll say, and I, yeah, I feel a lot of what you're saying is because you, you, whenever you're judging how a team's going to, do you have to look at the field right like it's like well how are other teams going to do and you're right most of these teams are more talented and they're probably going to be better teams for that reason like the clippers 
Yes, like the Clippers as well. But but here's a question for you. You say they should start selling off veterans as soon as possible. Yeah. I don't even disagree. As soon as possible is yesterday. Like there's there's no restrictions on Conley or Clarkson. Yeah. And I there's... I I I think the issue is not so much their willingness potentially, but other teams willingness to part with their pieces and also just feel having a feel about what they really need. And I think that's that's been the hang up is Fair that enough. I think some teams and like you know the Lakers would make a lot of sense in some regards but like you know they're they're disinterested in being a competent basketball team. Let's keep oh, it moving. Okay. Defending champion Warriors. Golden State Warriors. They are 4 and 7. They have a worse record than the Brooklyn Nets. Yet no one is talking about that. 4 and 7. What's your confidence that the Warriors' early season struggles are a harbinger that this team, while probably still a playoff team, is nowhere near the championship conversation? Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honestly go with... Well, okay, as currently constructed, yeah, I would say it's unlikely that they're near the championship conversation. Probably seven, you know, it would, would be my confidence level. But... I suspect that the Warriors will be contending this year because if they're not contending by the deadline, I suspect that they'll at the very least trade Wiseman for the best impact players that they can. And so my overall confidence that the Warriors won't be like contending by the end of the year is like two or three. My confidence level is a 10. It's a 10. I don't think this team's very good because this isn't a situation where they're good play, where they're two most important players are struggling and you're like they'll just they'll find the rhythm steph curry has been as good as steph curry has ever been in his entire fucking career over this opening stretch of games draymond green has played really well i think he's scoring more than he has before in recent seasons obviously and his defense is still quite good but their bench their bench the thing that they always said and the thing that people never wanted to bring up because they just want to dick ride the star players and Steph Curry, is that this was strength in numbers. They were super deep last year. Brian Windhorst called their they called it a checkbook win, and people went nuts. But no, he was fucking right. They paid a lot of guys. They lost good veterans, and they put young players who are not only super young, we don't even know if they're ever going to be good in, in critical positions, and they floundered. All right. The on off numbers for their bench and starters doesn't even fucking make sense. Every single one of their starters has a on like on court is at least plus five points per 100 possessions. Pretty much everyone on that's on the bench outside of Moses Moody, who's played 186 minutes, he's at negative four per 100 possessions. Everyone else, it's greater than negative 10. This bench is horrible. Yeah, and but I, my, I guess most of my thinking is contingent on the fact that they'll they'll make a move. They'll make but here's the thing. If they're making a move, they can't trade Jordan Poole, they can't trade Andrew Wiggins because they just extended them. So that they even if they wanted to, they'd have to wait, I think, a long time for that, and maybe not even this season. So the movable players are Clay Thompson. You really want to do that? It's Draymond Green. You really want to do that when he's still playing well and he's still super valuable. And then you start looking at, oh, 
James Wiseman, does anyone think James Wiseman has any real value? Jonathan Kaminga, does he have any real value? I mean, he's he hasn't been good either. I, I mean, they have their picks, and maybe a team will say that will take the picks. But this, they're not. This team is broken, and once again, Steph Curry's not going to keep playing at this level for the entire season. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't count out Steph Curry, but this dude is averaging thirty-two point six points per game on a six thirty-seven effective field goal percentage and six point nine assists and only 2.6 turnovers. He's like, you can't expect this to continue all season. And if he doesn't keep playing like this, I mean, holy shit, where would they be? All right. But you know me, I hate the Warriors. Um, <laughs> I sort of do too. Or I've, I've com- conflicting feelings. But anyway. You conflicting feelings. No, I like the way they play. I'm just, I'm sick and tired of their success. And I, I yeah, watching, yeah. watching it crash and burn is beautiful. Okay. Let's talk about everyone's, least favorite team in the league because they somehow get all the national television games and they have let us down the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers right now are two and nine. The only thing separating them with the Houston Rockets for the league's worst record is that they played one fewer game. They have a half game lead over last place. And if they play it and they lose, they will be tied. So, what is your confidence rating that the Lakers are one of the worst teams in the NBA? Oh, 10. If you're framing it that way, it's it's a 10. They're, they're unequivocally one of the worst teams in the NBA. I mean, they sucked last year, right? Will they, that continue? They, will they continue to be one of the worst teams in the NBA? Yeah, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. There's enough of a sample size now that like that's, that's almost an absolute statement. Like This is one of the worst teams in the NBA. The, the only question is similarly to the Warriors, will they make a trade? Like, you got to make one of these trades out there, man. You got to do that Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Like, make it happen. Whatever you got to do, you know, get that Gordon Hayward going. I, I don't know. Christ. Like, like this is... Honestly, I find it a little bit upsetting. Like, this is the end of LeBron James's career. Great. Yeah. That's great. You know, best player I've ever seen. Uh, let's just fucking ruin it. Let's just ruin it, Yeah. It's yeah. I, I I like I actually I find it weird how people have a tone that they're like offended by losing teams. Sometimes I'm like, eh, we're young, you know, give it a give it a rest. Like there has to be a team in the league that's losing. Like they don't they're not losing because they hate basketball or something. But this is a little bit offensive. Yeah, I I'm gonna have to go ahead and I'm not gonna go with a ten. I'm gonna go with a seven that they're really 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 bad because. The crazy thing is AD, LeBron, and Westbrook have actually been pretty good, especially since Westbrook went to the bench. Like those guys have like played at a at the level that you would expect them. Maybe not to say they could drag a team to a championship, but they're playing at a level where they should be able to bring a team to the playoffs or the playoff conversation. But I think you're right. The rest of this roster is just horribly constructed. Rob Palenka just got an extension. Why, why the fuck would you extend him before the season started? Like, maybe just wait and see. Did this guy do a good job? Let's go see if he did a good job because he clearly has not. There, I, I, I do think that you know their their defense isn't good, but it's not horrible. It's 18th in the league. Their offensive rating is the worst in the league at 103.9. 
That's two points per 100 possessions off of the 29th ranked team. So their offense is like historically bad practically. I think just due to regression, it will have to improve. But I don't see it improving enough for them to save their season minus a pretty seismic trade. And guess what? They have two draft picks that I think most teams would love to have. Yes, and they and they have to use them or else they're just going to waste the end of LeBron's prime slash career and another season, you know. To me, also, I would say this, like, there are two fatal flaws. First of all, as you pointed to, the back end of this roster is a joke. Like, it, it's just littered with players who are barely in the NBA, you know. Like, there, there are, like, four solid NBA players on this team, really, yeah. um, including Patrick Beverly, maybe Lonnie Walker the fourth, but he's not great, you know. Other than that, it's a bunch of dudes who, like, Damian Jones isn't in the NBA tomorrow. I'm not surprised by that. You know, like Kendrick Nunn isn't very good at NBA basketball. Like it's just, it's, it's a shit show. I'm, I'm struggling to remember the names of, of, of guys who were even on this team, to be honest with you. Yeah. Austin Reeves. I mean, look, look, like at the yeah. end of the day, what's killing him is this. They're shooting 29.3% from three point range. Well, yeah. So, but then what I was going to say is so if you want to have a top-heavy team, that, that has worked historically, but you can't have two of the, your three stars be really, really bad shooters. Like, it's just, that's not, that's not big brain stuff, you know? It's just like, AD can't shoot. Russ can't shoot. you got to surround LeBron James with shooting. Guess this won't work, you know? You're not wrong. I mean, look, LeBron's been really bad from three-point range. He's at 23.9% on seven attempts. That will tick up. But he's still a good player. He's averaging almost 25 points per game, almost seven assists, almost nine rebounds. He's still a good player, still helps a team win. When his shot starts falling, I think like everything will look a bit better. But this team, I don't think, is making the playoffs. Uh, it's not making the playoffs. I don't barring even think a trade. Getting, yeah, barring a trade. I don't even think it's getting close. And, and like that's that. Because as you said, this is LeBron. And like he deserves better. Because he's not at that stage of his career where he can make up for an entire roster's flaws. He's a guy that can make up for like two or three guys. Problem is they have seven guys he needs to make up for. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the next team. Another disappointment, which I'm unhappy with, because it is the Minnesota Timberwolves who stand at five and seven. James acting real fucking smug at the moment <laughs> because he's like, I foresaw this. But, but what do we think? What is your confidence that this Timberwolves team is essentially a 500 ish team 10 10 lock it in 10 lock it in they're gonna finish 41 if i'm being completely honest more like seven or eight but yeah i i absolutely anticipated that carl anthony towns can't guard the perimeter and that and that slowing the team down wouldn't be good for anthony edwards this has to be the worst transition team in, in in the nba like and he's a transition guy you know so none of it ever made sense to me and it still doesn't make sense. It's not Gobert's fault. I think Gobert's playing pretty well. Gobert has one of those static games where, like, he's just always going to do what he does, and it's always going to be effective, you know? And, and it's always going to be have some limitations. It's, it's not Gobert's fault. It's not really Towns' fault because he's not a perimeter defender. Nobody ever said he was. It's just – this is a bad Twin Towers look, man. If you're going to have a Twin Towers look, first of all, one of the guys has to be a multi-position defender, right? Otherwise – it's not going to work. That's how the Cavaliers get away with it is because Evan Mobley can guard wings and maybe even some guards, right? So they can put Jared Allen and drop and Evan Mobley can just do whatever he wants. That's how the Lakers won the championship with AD at the four as well. But Towns can't guard anybody, 
right? Uh, and then, yeah. So that's I think that's that's the concern. I didn't think it was going to work. I think it's going to go down as one of the worst trades we've seen in NBA history. To be completely honest with you. Okay, so I I I, I get some of what you're saying. Um, but my my confidence that they're this bad in like a 500 ish team, it's low. It's at a three, because the way I see it is, and I think you hit this. Gobert is Ben Gobert, right? Like he's come in and done the things that Gobert does and he's helped them in those areas. They're better at rebounding. They're better at defending the rim. Carl Anthony Towns has struggled. I do think that they get a little, I'm giving him a lot of grace, not a lot. I'm giving him more grace because Cat basically didn't play in training camp or preseason because he had like a bad virus. So I think he's not only getting physically right, but they're still trying to figure out each other. D'Angelo Russell has been straight up fucking garbage. I thought the addition of Rudy Gobert was going to unlock D'Angelo Russell. And thus far, it has not. It has somehow sent him back to Ohio State. He's playing like a fucking college player. It's it's somewhat embarrassing. But I think we both agree he's better than 14 points per game, 5.7 assists, 3.1 turnovers on an effective field goal percentage of 458 considering he's not the lead option on offense. So I think he will improve and that will help things. But I think the the, the thing that I should have known, because I believe this, is that I don't trust Anthony Edwards and he is not good. He might end up being a great player one day, but he is not a great player currently. And he's the player that's been coronated as the next guy, the guy who is awesome. And he's has never been awesome to that degree in his career. And he's really floundered this season. And I am fucking sorry. If you're Anthony Edwards and you come into camp out of shape and then you blame Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best screen setters in the league, and Carl Anthony Towns, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, for the reason why you didn't get a dunk to start the season when your fat ass came into camp out of shape, no, it's because your body wasn't right and you didn't work on your game enough. I am sick and tired of people making excuses for Anthony Edwards. And when he gets his shit together, this team will take off. I think they're going to be fine. But me- I, just, I needed to say, fuck this dude, because I'm sick and tired of him not getting any shit for his flaws, his issues. Everyone acts like his problems are great. Oh, he's a, just people got mad at Cat for saying he shouldn't be eating Popeye's. Carl Anthony Towns is fucking right. If you yeah, think professional athletes should be eating Popeyes, get the fuck out of here. That you're not in the mind. I mean, maybe for a treat on your birthday or something, but like if it's, if it's you know, if it's a habit, it's not a very good one. It can't even it's not be a very like, good one for a person to have. Yeah, it shouldn't even be once a once a month, man. Like this is no like, this is big boy level shit. He's not yeah. a big boy. He is a child and he needs to grow the fuck up because like it's holding back a team that we both think, or at least I think, and I think you could believe could be quite good. Yeah, I don't like the 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 fit. I don't like the roster construction. Even beyond the fact that I agree with what you're saying about Towns, uh, or rather Edwards. L- let me make one more point, and then we we got to speed through the rest of these faster. But this is the, probably the most substantive ones anyway. So, but okay, I agree in theory that a D'Angelo Russell Rudy Gobert pick and roll should be effective, right? Like Russell is a pretty good pick and roll guard. He he can make those nice pocket passes. He's well, yeah, he's a good passer. He's a good pick yeah. and roll player, right? And Gobert is one of the best pick and roll finishers in the league. So, 
Yeah, I, I get that. But to what extent are you going to really use a D'Angelo Russell, Rudy Gobert pick and roll when you got Cat and and Anthony Edwards right there? So to me, I don't really buy that as a, as a sufficient or good reason to to grab Gobert because it's not going to be a, a focal point of your offense anyway if you're doing things properly. And then it's the it's it's the fact that you relegate Towns to the four. That's what always killed it for me. I don't think he can guard fours. I don't think he's physical enough to use the size advantage that he has on a lot of fours either. No, no, he's he's he he gets a lot of offensive fouls because he buries his shoulders into guys. I I, I think I think the main issue is just on defense and it's, it's defense is the biggest issue by far. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think it'll be fine. Let's move off of this because I'll end up being right and you'll end up being wrong and it's fine. Um, <laughs> all right. Confidence intervals. Confidence rating. The Milwaukee Bucks, best record in the league at 10 and 1, just lost their first game. Confidence rating. They're the championship favorites. I'm not even going to say anything except 10. I'm going to say 9. The only reason I'm saying nine is it's early. Their offense, I know they haven't had Chris Middleton, but their offense is 17th and uh, at 111.7 points per hundred possessions, but their defense is like first at 103.6. Remember when I said that uh, that um, the, the Lakers were having like a historically bad offense? Their, their fucking defensive rating is better then the Lakers offensive rating is bad. There's a f- almost a, you know, a three and a half point gap between them and first and the Suns in second. I don't know if they can maintain that pace, but like, I-, I still think the Celtics could maybe sneak in there. I think the Suns, depending on the moves that they make are still really good. Um, so I'm only going with the nine just because I'm worried about the offense how much better it's going to get. And then on defense, it's just like, I mean, you can't be that good. Can you really quick? Well, I just Could think, they I just think they're the championship favorites. Like I, like I would have thought the Bucks were the best team in the league heading into the season. Anyway, I think they probably would have won the championship last year. If Chris Middleton didn't get hurt, to be honest with you, I just think that I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the league. And he's also got Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday on his team. So it's like, you know, pretty good formula. Okay. Well, I think we both agree that the Bucks probably are the championship favorites. I, I'm just going with a nine because I don't really feel like I can give anyone a 10 this early in the season. Um, maybe I should. The next team we're going to talk about is a team that's not third in net rating like the 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 Bucks. A team that's second in net rating. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who started the season eight and three. They lost last night to the fighting Sacramento Kings. Donovan Mitchell has looked great. So I guess this, what's your confidence rating that this team can make the Eastern Conference Finals? Hmm. It means you have to beat one of the Bucks or the Celtics. Yeah, which is tough. So I'll, I'll probably give it a four. I, I think they have a good chance, but I think that those two teams are distinctly favored ahead of them. You know? Yeah, I... <sighs> I give it. I give it a. I think I would go a little bit higher with a five because Donovan Mitchell has been so good, and Darius Garland has missed about half of their games, a little bit more than half their games, and he struggled a little bit to find his footing playing next to to Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then on top of that, you know, their defense, which was really good last season, awesome this season again. Their offense 
way better than it was. I mean, they're third in offensive rating and third in defensive rating, and they haven't really gotten one of their best offensive players going. I mean, if you're top three in both, I think you can make the conference finals. And I'm a little concerned with the Celtics with Robert Williams if because their defense has fallen off like hard without him. So I could see the Celtics not being quite as good as we're expecting them to be. If you, if you get my drift. I get your drift. Also, do you know it's going to come down to? Do they have to play the Bucks or the Celtics to get there? Well, yeah. Yeah, Cause, that's because if they true. don't, I, well, I get to this. If they don't have to play one of those two teams to get there, what's your confidence rating that they can that they're an Eastern Conference Finals team? Very high, probably uh, eight, honestly seven. Yeah, like I mean, I I guess Philly coalescing and, and figuring stuff out, or the Nets are is a threat to their you know to making that happen. But otherwise, no, there's not really a lot of teams standing in their way. Like I don't, I don't, I like them much better than Atlanta. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Miami's having just a debacle of a season. So, okay, we've talked enough about teams. Let's do some quick confidence ratings on players. And this player, man, he's he was he was NBA 2K royalty. He is a, yep. the creative player. But Bull Bull is. Putting together, I mean, some say a renaissance. Do you know renaissance? It means you like rediscovered something in a sense. So the, yeah. it would be a renaissance season if he'd had a great rookie year, and this is the first good year that he. Yes, this ain't like. a renaissance. This is just this is all new. Bull Bull is out here playing twenty two point nine minutes per game, averaging eleven point three points in those contests, two point one blocks. On a 71.9 effective field goal percentage, he leads the NBA in two-point field goal percentage. Oh, and he's also shooting 43.8% on three-pointers on 1.3 a game. We want to look at some advanced metrics. He's got a 2.9 box plus minus. The only reason it's not higher is that his usage hasn't been cranked up. Um, I mean, he's not much of a passer, but what's your confidence that Bull Bull is in fact not just a solid NBA player, but a good NBA player. I'm gonna I'm gonna go solidly with a five. Now he's definitely like a productive and solid NBA player. Yeah, I like. I mean, definitely still a big word, but he he has probably established that right. Yeah, there's almost no question that that effective field goal percentage is gonna dip. I mean, there's no way he's shooting 60% from the field moving forward. So I guess the question is, like, how much does it dip? Does it turn out that he's actually a very streaky player, you know, and and, and, and that he's going to get really cold for a while? Uh, is he blocking shots because he's a really good defender, or is he hunting blocks? Because that's the type of thing that sometimes washes out over a larger sample size, too, you know? Yeah. So I would need to see more before I can really say, like, this guy's, like, a good NBA player. But he damn well might be, though. Yeah, I think I'm going with like a three. Look, like he's he's predominantly he's he's gotten a few starts. He's gotten seven starts. He's not playing big minutes. He's on a bad team. We're talking about a guy who who's been a good three point shooter in the past, but he's never converted shots in the two point range at this rate. He I think he'll be able to block shots, but I think he's someone that once teams, you know, there's not a lot of tape on him. I mean, but he's played 
almost as many minutes as he has this season, the first 12 games, as he had in his first three years total. And I think he is vulnerable to certain types of players because he his body is really quite weird. Um, it makes him great at blocking shots. I think he's just going to be a solid player by the end of the season. But this run is great. And I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic for him because, like, he looked like he was never really going to amount to being a NBA basketball player. And you don't, you don't want to see that. No. Okay. Next guy up is James's favorite player that was drafted. Terry Eason. That was drafted third overall Terry in, the, in the 2022 NBA draft. Um, you can actually only have one favorite player that was selected in that slot. It's Jabari Smith Jr., Okay, so James, Jabari Smith Jr., because you are a Rockets fan and because I have to follow the Rockets, we both know this, but maybe the the listeners don't. Third overall pick, supposed to be a great shooter, supposed to be a good 3 and D guy right away. He's averaging 10.5 points per game on 30.8% field goal shooting, 29.4% from three-point range and an effective field goal percentage of 39.2%. What's your confidence that Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be one of the worst rookies maybe ever? Or, you know, one of the worst rookies this season? Oh, yeah. I mean, eight or nine. <laughs> like, like I, I, I think he'll improve. I, I, I do think as the year goes on, it's likely that we'll get more flashes. Even, you know, last night he had his best game of the year so far. Uh, with a stunning 15 and 10. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's probably going to be one of the worst rookies, especially if you're measuring relative to expectations. Like, we're not counting rookies that are averaging zero and zero and zero and zero minutes per game here, right? Yeah. So, and yeah. Like, your overall pick. Like, you're expecting yeah. a bit more. And An I, NBA I do, player. Yeah, I do think there's been a little bit of a Rockets fans, like, thought they were going to be able to draft Paolo Bancaro at third at three and because they ended up with him and Paolo has been great to start the season or been good to start the season. There's kind of like, we could, we could have had Paolo Bancaro and it's like, well, no, we couldn't, couldn't have. have, I know, have I know. So you We're couldn't, we couldn't like, have chill the no. fuck out. Like it's not no. like, oh, unless there was an opportunity to trade up for him. But even then it's like, well, was it worth it? Because you, you can, people say trade up like, like it's nothing, you know, like, oh, we should have traded up for that guy. I really like him. It like costs what? a lot. It costs a lot. What were you going to use to trade up? The Brooklyn pick from 2024? Because we'd be pissed if we didn't have that right now, wouldn't we? So, you know, wh- wh- what are you going to do? We-, we took the guy third that everybody was going to take third, you know? Uh, I'll shout out Nathan Fogg, who would have taken Jaden Ivey third if he was the general manager of the Houston Rockets. Other than that, vast majority of people were taking Jabari Smith Jr. And that's who we took. Yeah, so my confidence rating for him being one of the worst rookies from here on out is really, really low. I I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to play really quite well. I mean, what was he supposed to be good at coming out of college? Shooting. What has he been abjectly awful at? Shooting. But he's taking over half his shots from three-point range, and he's shooting under 30%. Look, like it's a, it's it's farther back than it was in college. I think there'll be a moment in time where everything clicks and he'll suddenly start hitting them. I also think, and this is quite important, the Rockets offense, the first what, 
10 ish games, nine ish games of the season yeah. was being run through Kevin Porter Jr. And bless his soul, he sucks ass at point guard and he does not get guys, even guys on the perimeter, good three point looks. They've changed up the offense. There's a bit more passing. They're having it go through Shangun. So defenses are collapsing. He's kicking out, giving guys more time and space to shoot threes. I think he will be perfectly fine. And I just think that this is, you know, going through the growing pains and he's a, he's a supply dependent scorer on a team that spent the first eight games of his career, making sure the supply was fucking horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I completely agree. And those are all pretty much by far the main reasons that he struggled. I will say this, his mechanics are excellent on his jump shot. Everything looks great. But he's really, really slow and tentative to release it. I think there's some confidence issues at play. Yeah. I, it, it, like when he catches it, he first he lines up his hand, his palm with the with the you know mesh of the ball or whatever, right? Then he checks his feet to make sure he's like behind the three point line or stepping back if he's close enough. Then he stops to think about the meaning of life, you know, and 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 then he uh, counts to fifteen and, and then he launches the shot and he's just got to catch and shoot faster. That's that's the that's the only thing I'm really seeing from him where I'm like that's your fault you know like that's that's what you need to work on but all those systemic things that you pointed to are really important. Look, he's he's shooting eighty seven point five percent from the free throw line. The dude can shoot. He was yeah, a great shooter shoot. in college. Scouts believed he was going to be a great shooter in the pros. His defense, honestly, on a really shitty defensive team, having to do like play center at times when he's not yet ready to do that for long stretches, he's been good on defense. And yep. I think I think he's going to be one of those guys where once that three-pointer starts falling, he's going to get a bit more confident. He's going to start pumping. He's going to start going. And he's going to hit some of these mid-range jumpers. I think it's all going to be fine. It's just, it's tough to adjust to the NBA when you're on a bad team. And your game isn't self-creation. Let's do the last one. All right. Final one. And this one is sad. Clay Thompson. Is Clay Thompson done? Because he's coming off of, you know, the ACL and then the Achilles injury that caused him to miss two seasons. Then he played 32 games and was pretty good. But this year, he has been real fucking bad. He's 32 years old, extensive injury history. He's averaging 15.1 points per game. You say that's not so bad. I say, well, listen, listen up, listen up, child. Um, he's shooting 32.6% from three-point range. And he's shooting 41.5% on two-pointers with an effective field goal percentage of 46%. Last season was one of his worst shooting seasons since his, you know, basically his breakout. Since age 23, it was his worst shooting season. This season would be the worst shooting season of his career. He's not getting it done beyond the arc, inside the arc, and his defense has fallen off. James, what's your confidence that Clay Thompson is an impact is not an impactful starter anymore? Pretty high, man. It is sad. It is It is definitely sad, but it's somewhere from a seven to a nine. I think that it's a little bit of an Occam's razor situation. It's like, well, he's 32 and he's coming off of two major injuries and he doesn't look as good as he did before. 
He's probably never going to look as good as he did before, right? Wouldn't it be a pretty impressive story if he did? If next year, to start off 2023-24, Clay's dropping 18 points on on a 62 true shooting percentage, you know, you'd be like, that's incredible. Wow. Like, what? So, if something would be incredible, usually it's safe to bet against it happening, right? So, yeah, yeah, to me, I'm looking at a 7, 8, or 9. And and he can still be a good rotation player for another few years, but he's not going to be what he was. Yeah, I think I think his days, I mean, post-injury, I thought always his days of being like, you know, an all-star impact starter, those days were done. You can't expect someone at that age to miss that much time with those types of injuries with his type of game where as much as people are like, oh, shooting doesn't age. I'm like, you know what does age? Defense. And like that's that the special part about Clay Thompson wasn't the shooting. Joe Harris has that shooting. Right. It's it's the fact Bo, Bohan Bogdanovich has that shooting. I mean, granted, Bogdanovich is a better self creator than Clay Thompson is. Um, and he's older, but he's around the same size. But it's, it was the defense. I don't think he's going to keep shooting this poorly, but I think that's kind of besides the point. I think, you know, for him to be an impact starter, he would have to be shooting better than he did when he was in his prime just because the defense has fallen off. The, there's a real chance that if the Warriors seriously want to upgrade, he's the salary along with the young guys and picks. That That's a whole out. other can of worms because they're in a complicated situation because Draymond's due for an extension soon. He wants a big one. So Dre could be the candidate too. At the same time, they kind of can't move Dre. So he's when still I, when good. I, yeah, I know. No, when I start thinking about what the Warriors might do, my wheels start turning too quickly. But I, know. I see what I'm, you're saying. I'm just saying, Clay, like, look, like, Wiggins does what he used to do on defense. He's not the same shooter. But they really, like, here's the thing. He's he's not so dangerous of a three-point shooter anymore since he's since that injury. And granted, it's only been 41 regular season games plus 22 postseason games. But he hasn't shot over 40% in any of those samples. I think we're just looking at a guy who's a good rotation player making, like, what? $40 million a season and he's going to be an expiring soon. If you know you were to throw picks and Kaminga with that, you could get back a superstar quality player with a, like another role player. I think a team that's rebuilding would do that in a heartbeat. I mean, could you trade him for Kevin Durant? Um, uh, what would Warriors, okay. What would Warriors fans do if you trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Durant? Clay Thompson and five picks and Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah, yeah, obviously there's there's more to it, but like you know the bones of it is. I think they like, probably throw a parade, man. If they have any brains, you know, like I, I know that emotionally it'd be tough, but it's like, yo, we just got to rant back, man. Like what, you know, what, how, how to way to salvage Thompson. everything? Yeah, yeah man. And now it's like Jordan Poole instead. So, so how many points is Clay Thompson going to go off for in his next game? Because we doubted him. 30 at least let's uh let, let, let's let's bring it home hey all right that was above the break nba confidence rankings hope you enjoyed it remember to like subscribe rate review do all that good stuff tell your friends your family about it sorry we were gone for so long it made the news much longer but in some ways it's better because then we didn't spend an hour just yelling about Kyrie irving we just spent, yeah. you know, 15 minutes instead. So sometimes these things work out for the best.
James, do you have anything you want to plug? Nah, no plugs. No plugs. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. We'll be back um, hopefully in a, a little bit with a Rocket-specific one, and then we'll do our usual NBA one. We're trying to get, we're trying to get good on the once-a-week stuff, but, you know, sometimes it's hard. Life happens. Life happens. All right. We'll be back next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.